Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the Allegheny County Jail has one of the highest death rates in the country. Sit with that for a second. People in our jail, in the government's custody, are dying. And now one family whose loved one died in connection with the jail last September is contending it's not just them, that the jail maintains a culture of medical neglect. And they filed a federal lawsuit to make their case. It's Monday, October 23rd. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast lead producer Mallory Falk, who's done a lot of reading about this in the last few days. Hey, Megan. Thank you for doing this. I know you and I have talked a lot on this show about how many people have died in custody at the Allegheny County Jail. Friend of the podcast, Brittany Haler, has been here several times talking about her truly incredible work documenting jail deaths for the Pittsburgh Institute for Nonprofit Journalism. Right. And Brittany says the higher death rate here isn't necessarily because Allegheny County is worse exactly. It could be because she and people like her have been looking and looking into deaths beyond those the county lets us know about. We have one of the highest death rates per capita in the nation, but it's because I've uncovered deaths of folks who were released from custody um, through either folks working in the jail, leaking that information to me. Um, the incarcerated calling me and saying, hey, my pod, someone on my pod was shipped out last night. Here's his name. Look, look him up. Um, if if there were reporters in every other county in Pennsylvania with that kind of sourcing, they might also have one of the highest um, incarcerated death rates in, in the country. What she and partners at the Pittsburgh Independent have been digging up is honestly just staggering. Yeah, and it keeps getting worse. 21 men have died in connection with the jail since April of 2020. And I think we should note, too, just a reminder to people, if you're not familiar with the jail system, the vast majority of people there who serve time in the jail are not doing it because of violent crime. Jails are designed for short stays, like people who can't pay bail or bond, so they lose their jobs while they're waiting to face charges. People in a mental health crisis who should be sent to facilities that specialize in that, but there are never enough beds at state facilities, so they have to wait somewhere, often at AJC or people on their third DUI serving 364 days. I mean, that's a jag-off move, but it should not also be a death sentence. 
Right. I mean, people are mostly in jails related to property, drugs and public disorder crimes. The Justice Department actually estimates that 15 percent of all people incarcerated in jails as opposed to prisons um, haven't been convicted of any crime at all. They're just waiting for something like a trial or to post bond. So now some new news in relation to all of these deaths at the jail. Right. So last week, the family of one of the men who died, someone named Anthony Talata, filed a federal lawsuit against the county, several doctors and Allegheny Health Network, which is the jail's medical provider. Um, And the suit alleges that there is this culture of medical neglect at the jail especially when it comes to people with mental health issues or disabilities. And so Anthony Talata's family contends that this led to his wrongful death. Um, He was 57 years old when he died in September of 2022. So the lawsuit itself, what does it say or contend or I guess what's it asking for? Yeah, so I'm going to condense a bit here, um, but basically it claims that the jail is violating the Americans with Disabilities Act because it has policies that prevent people with mental illness or developmental disabilities from being housed in its medical unit. And the suit claims that makes it harder for them to get medical care. Um, According to the lawsuit, the majority of people who died in connection with the jail between early 2020 and the time of Talada's death last fall had mental health or chronic medical health needs. And the family of Anthony Talata, I guess they're saying that he didn't get that medical care that he needed. Yeah, his story is really the crux of the lawsuit, and they say that reveals some of these larger systemic issues at the jail. Um, So Talata had autism and developmental disabilities. He also had some health issues like diabetes. Um, He'd been living in group homes for a while. According to an article I read in The Appeal, he'd gone into group homes when his mother died. Um, Last year, he got into some kind of altercation at the home where he was staying. Staff called the police, and he was arrested and then detained at the county jail. Um, Apparently, during the altercation, his foot was injured, a pot of boiling water fell onto it, and that caused, yeah, fractures and and blistering from burns. And the suit alleges that his wounds weren't treated and they became infected, and that ultimately led to him developing sepsis. So his family, his lawyers, they say this was a preventable death. Um, If his wounds had been treated, he could still be here today. And instead, he died less than two weeks after entering the jail. Were there any warning signs, at least according to the family, that, you know, Talata wasn't doing well and needed this care? I can imagine some of these wounds sound pretty visible to me. Yeah. And I mean, a content warning here, some of the details are tough to hear, but they're also important. Um, He was taken to the hospital twice while he was in custody. Uh, The suit alleges that the first time doctors at Allegheny General gave him a splint and crutches, um, but jail staff confiscated those items when he returned. And then he went to the hospital again um, and was given things like gauze and dressing to care for his wound, prescribed antibiotics. The suit alleges that those items were confiscated. The antibiotics were never given to him. Um, And so eventually he was found unable to speak and clutching his chest. According to the suit, a jail physician gave him Benadryl and sent him back to his cell And then he was found unresponsive and taken to the hospital where he eventually died. 
Um, According to the lawsuit, medical providers at the hospital where he was taken, UPMC Mercy, recorded his cause of death as septicemia, you know, sepsis. But the county medical examiner's office came to a different conclusion that he died from hypertensive and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. And according to reporting I've read, uh, his death was ruled to be from natural causes. And just to connect a few dots here, Brittany Haler wrote about a physician at the jail a long time ago who had a pretty spotty medical history. And recently, several news outlets have found that he was the same physician who gave Talada the Benadryl at the jail. Yeah, so Brittany reported on this physician about a year ago, not long after Talada died. His name is Wilson Bernalis, and he had had his medical license suspended, revoked, or denied in at least eight different states. That's incredible to me. Can you imagine what it would be to go to job after job after job like that? Yeah, I mean, and it's raised a lot of questions about how he got hired at our county jail. I guess he was licensed to practice medicine in Pennsylvania at the time. But are we not checking his background, his medical background? Like, what kind of screening are they doing over there? Yeah, exactly. And so he is actually named in the lawsuit. And the lawsuit was also filed against the staffing agency that screened and hired him. You know, this is all connected to their allegations of neglect. I mean, at the time, he was one of two medical doctors employed at the county jail, and he had this kind of record. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. What have the county or Allegheny Health Network said about all of this? So in the stories I read, they'd both declined to comment, citing pending litigation. That's not super surprising. So what now? I know the lawsuit, of course, is fresh, um, but I imagine, you know, wheels are turning behind the scenes. Yeah. So this lawsuit was just filed last week. Um, Talada's family is being represented by the Abolitionist Law Center, along with the firm O'Brien, Coleman and Wright. So it's going to make its way through the court system. Last year, our county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, hired an outside contractor to investigate deaths at the jail. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And the contractor found there was, quote, nothing untoward about deaths at the facility over the five year period that they reviewed. But people keep dying. 
Yeah, people keep dying. And there's another catch to this too, which is that unfortunately it could be worse than we know. Uh, Brittany's reported a lot on this thing the county jail does sometimes where they'll release someone from custody when they're in medical crisis. I think the county's practice in releasing someone on their deathbed so that they don't have to report it is also not unique to Allegheny County. Mm -hmm. I think County in Pennsylvania is doing that, and they're successful in releasing those people before they have to report it to the public. So someone's in a medical crisis, they get transported to the hospital, and then while they're hospitalized, jail administrators will release them from custody. And that way, when they die, it doesn't count as a death in jail custody. It's why I've been using this phrase, people who died in connection with the jail, because some of them, technically, they weren't in custody at the time of their death. That's what happened with Talada. And actually, when Brittany first reported on his death last year, she said that, you know, some sources she had inside of the jail were the ones who reached out to her and brought this story to her attention because they were concerned that this death would go unnoticed and unrecorded because he'd been released from custody before he died. And I feel like that's been the case with so much of her reporting and others. It's up to the families or, you know, a whistleblower of some kind to let folks know that this is something that's going on, even around things like cause and manner of death, which, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, with Talata, I guess, is a little disputed. Yeah. And so there's this question of, you know, there's this critical question of why so many people are dying in the jail or immediately following their time in the jail. And it's really hard when we as the general public have limited access to people's causes of death to know whether or not these deaths were actually preventable. Um, So, you know, it's tricky to get autopsy reports. Brittany actually had to go to court. And then found out there was no autopsy report more than a year later. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the upside of the lawsuit she filed is that now the county does have to release autopsy reports. They are considered public record. She changed policy. She changed policy. Policy, which is incredible. (laughs) But the specific report she was trying to get that they fought her about never even existed. Um, But yeah, she also told us that family members often don't get medical records. um, And so without transparency, again, like I said, it's hard to know how many of these deaths were preventable. Um, The manner is usually listed as accidental or natural, something like that. And so there's just limited information. Yeah. And I I know separately, but related, obviously, the county controller's office pointed recently to staffing problems. There was a report issued earlier this summer. Yeah. Auditors uh, studied the facility from January 2021 to September 2022, um, and they called the facility, quote, grossly understaffed. At the time, the jail was short more than 100 corrections officers, and over half of the medical jobs were vacant. Here's what Brittany had to say about staffing uh, the last time she was on our show. We have a medical staffing crisis. We've had a medical staffing crisis at the jail since 2020 or since I've been reporting. Um, That, I think, is probably the major issue is that deficit of we just do not have enough people to work the building. Um, And when someone experiences a medical emergency, that means it can take longer for someone to get to them. Um, Maybe folks who are attending to them don't have medical degrees or have the, you know, maybe it's a corrections officer versus a nurse. I mean, if I was having a heart attack, I would rather someone who has a medical background be the person responding to me. So there's that issue. 
So, you know, we'll see if this federal lawsuit leads to any kind of change. And maybe prevents more people from dying? Yeah, one would hope. Um, You know, before we end, I also just want to take a moment to share a few details about who Anthony Talata was, because behind this number, this 21 deaths, are human beings. I was reading an AP story about the case, um, and it said that he was part of a big Italian family. He and his cousins would get together to make sausage from scratch, and he was the official sausage tire in the family, um, (laughs) and that that. he also really loved going to the movies, especially so that he could get popcorn. Thanks for sharing all this, Mallory. Of course. um, And I want to credit The Appeal, The Associated Press, WESA and of course Pinge um, for all of their reporting on this. That's how I got a bunch of information for this show um, along with reading the legal complaint. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking what you hear, we would love to have you be part of the team. CityCast is hiring for a senior account executive to help us sell ads. We want to be able to get your messages out to the people who want to hear them and be able to keep making great podcasts that tell you more about the city you love. If you think you're a good fit, please go to citycast.fm slash jobs. That's all for today. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. That's how I got a bunch of the information for this show, uh, along with reading. Sorry, I can hear my dog.